All right. In Hosea chapter 11, I've been going through this book with the teenagers. I was able to share chapter 9 with you in here a few weeks ago. And now things are really going to change in chapter 11. Let me just try to get started with a little story to get our minds wrapped around who God is and what He is uh, to the children of Israel here specifically. You know, there's a true story that's told about a man and his wife. And, and the man and his wife, they're caught out in a hailstorm. It's not just any hailstorm. This hail is almost the size of baseballs. And it comes upon them suddenly. They are out in the middle of nowhere. They can, they cannot get to any shelter really quick. I mean, it's getting thick to where they cannot see. He realizes he has to do something really quick because his wife is going to get hurt from this hail that is falling. So he drapes himself over her, over his wife, and he starts inching along trying to walk. And as he does, that hail is pelting him on the back of the neck, on the ear, on the side of his forehead as he's going along. And he's, he's trying to cover her the best he can and, and he's starting to get cut and he's bleeding and he, he sees that blood coming down in front of him and he's, it's, it's hurting and it's really, it's really devastating and pounding on him. And all of a sudden the storm gets worse and he just kind of crumbles to the ground and he hovers over her and they just have to lay there and, and wait out the storm. And so they laid there in the middle of that hailstorm with him sheltering her. And after it was all said and done, he had abrasions, he had bruises, he had cuts, he had permanent scars as a result of that hailstorm. And someone asked his wife, you know, what, what she had to say about it. And she said, every time I see those scars on him and all he suffered through for me, it just makes me love him more. And a true story. Pretty, pretty neat story, too. Good man. And, um, you know, and of course, I know where your minds have probably already gone to with this. We have a wonderful Lord and Savior who took all of our punishment upon Himself. He suffered and He bled sacrificially for us so that we might be free, so that we might have eternal life. You ever think about those 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 nail holes in his hand or the, or or in his side that's in his glorified body we're going to see those one day when you think about that i'm sure it makes you love your lord and savior just that much more it makes you think about him a lot but and we we could talk about our love for god there's a message in our love for god but that's not what we're going to talk about tonight i would like for us to talk about god's love for us it's that's what this chapter is is overwhelmingly centered on is God's unconditional love, sacrificial love that he has for you and I. And we're going to see that here tonight in chapter 11. In chapter 9, we saw that there was a loss of joy for the children of Israel. There was a loss of truth. There was a loss of fellowship. There was a loss of continuance of a generation that was loving God and, and negative things are happening. We, we have gone through several chapters of talking about all the consequences that Israel has faced 
from turning from God. And so that was in chapter 9. In chapter 10, the Lord just, He's bringing an end to their fruitfulness. He quit blessing them because they were giving credit for their blessings to a false God. So God showed them where their blessings were coming from by making an end of their fruitfulness. He made an end of their idols. He made an end of their place of worship because they were worshiping a false god Baal there. Um, and he's doing it to bring them to an end of their false trust. You know, we might not be worshiping a golden calf today, but there are many things we could be tempted to put our trust in other than the Lord. And it's not going to pay off. It's not going to be good. Their ends and their losses that the Lord caused for them or let them experience, it was actually out of a powerful love that He has for Israel. He does not want them there. God is doing things to change their situation. And we are going to see God's loving heart for us tonight as we study His love that He has for Israel. If you would look in verses 1 and 2 for me, we see that God loves by His calling. In verse 1, it says, When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. I grew up on a dead-end street and over in Galena Park, and there was a pasture at the end of my street. I knew I had about a dozen neighbors. I knew all of them. I could be in any of their houses at any given time during the week. And it was okay back then. How about that? You, I mean, you could trust people. You had good neighbors and and all of that good stuff. My parents were at peace with me being wherever I was at my neighbor's house. And, and so I could be anywhere on the block. There's a few how, a few yards that I wasn't welcome in. I went to them anyway. Uh, we called, we called, uh, the owner of one house, the Wicked Witch of the West, and the other one, the Wicked Witch of the East. And she always, they always ran me off and yelled at me. But, but anyway, when it come dinner time, my mom didn't bother looking for me on the block because I could be anywhere. And so she just called out to me. And I usually came running pretty quick when she called. I knew it was dinner time. But the boy across the street was a little older than me, Wayne, and he, he would just keep on playing sometimes, get a little honorary and want to do what he wants. And his mom just kept on calling, kept on calling. I kind of followed in his shoes and my mama would just keep on calling and keep on calling. I, I think about that and that's a, that's a pretty warming thought that, you know, mama calling me for dinner as a, uh, it was a call of love, if you will. And, and, and as we think about the Lord, the Lord has, He has called us. He has called us to His salvation, just as He calls every single person, by the way, to the family of God. Some receive Him, some reject Him, but God calls all. And His call that goes out, I mean, His call goes out to a specific, intimate, loving relationship. Look at what He calls Israel. He says, I and have called my son out of Egypt. My mom would yell out, and she wouldn't yell a general call. She would say, Kenneth, come home. And sometimes she'd say my middle name. I'm not going to tell you what that is. But she would say, Kenneth, 
come home. It was, it was personal and it was relationship that you could hear in that. And, and God's call that goes out, it is, it's personal. It's, it's intimate. It's, it's a relational call that, that goes out. He calls everyone out of the bondage of sin. And he does it not because we're desirable. He did not call Israel because of the quantity of who they were, the amount of them. He didn't call them for that reason. He didn't call them for some special skills that they had. He didn't call them for uh, any particular reason uh, that they would benefit Him. He didn't call them out for their strength or their religion or their potential. The calling of the Lord to people to enter the family of God, it's the result of God's amazing love. God, the love that God is and the love that God has. He has called all to salvation. And He, He doesn't just call to salvation. He's, He's calling for us after we become His children. The children of Israel, they, they were, they were the people of God, but they had strayed away and God is calling out to them. They have turned their back on God and we see the love of God in God's call that continually went out to the people. We see in verse two as we continue to look at this calling, as they called them, so they went from them. They sacrificed unto Balaam and burned incense to graven images. Israel's rejecting of this calling of love, this turning away, they they went and they turned away and they found themselves a man-made God that would suit them. But even with doing that, this loving call of God was going out to draw them back. God loves by His call, but God loves by His caring too. God, lo- God cares about us and we see this in verses 3 and 4. He says, I taught Ephraim also to go, taking them by their arms, but they knew not that I healed them. I drew them with cords of a man with bands of love, and I was to them as they that take off the yoke on their jaws, and I laid meat unto them. God cared for the children of Israel just like a little baby. I'm, I'm sure all of you parents that have raised children, I'm sure that there's been some point in time where, where your baby was starting to leave the crawling phase and they started to crawl up on things and they were so excited and ready to walk. And I'm sure all of you have been in the position where you put your fingers out for handles and they grab your, grab your pinky with, with their hands and you start walking them along. And that little baby can cannot tell you that that he or she is hungry, um, but but you knew you knew when to feed them. You you've cared for them and you've taught them to walk and you've trained them and you've fed them and you've provided for them. And that is a beautiful picture. Just thinking about just think about a parent teaching their child to walk. That's a beautiful picture of the love of a parent. And within that picture also is the dependence of a child 
for their parent. You have a twofold beautiful picture there. And that is also, that is also a picture of God's love to us. He has cared for Israel. He has trained Israel. He has, he has loved them. He made them a nation. He's their creator. He's their maker. He's their savior. And he made them a nation just as he promised to. And pretty quickly, they set out on their own after all that loving and nurturing and raising and training. And they went and found them a golden calf to worship. You know, to, to be able to go worship something else, you can make any rules you want in whatever that is you go to worship. And unfortunately, that's why a lot of people might turn away from worshiping the Lord. But the Lord loved them and trained them up. And it, But Israel was forgetting God and forgetting His love by looking to Baal. May we never become insensitive to God's grace. I'm talking about this experiential grace in our lives that we have from Him all the time. Every good and perfect gift is from above. It cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Everything we have that is good, it didn't come by our own strength. It didn't come by our own ingenuity. It was given by God. And we must always bless His name for that and be grateful to Him for that. He cares for His people. May we never become insensitive to that. May we always depend on Him. You know, He's He's always going to care for us. He cared for Israel when Israel was turned away from Him. And so He's always going to care for us. But what a crisis it would be if we didn't keep our focus on the One who takes care of us. If we didn't give Him credit, God, God likes to get the credit. That's not good for us to be that way, but it's perfect and holy for Him to be that way. And so to give glory to God is to give God the credit. And, and this is something that was tragic for the children of Israel. They gave, not only did they not give God credit, they gave a false God that didn't even exist credit for what they had. May we always realize where our care comes from. God loves us. Let us embrace His care. He's our provider. And this is a great example of His love in that He loves by caring. But He not only loves by caring, He loves by correcting. God corrects His children. And we see that in verses 5 through 7. Let's look at verse 5. It says, He shall not return into the land of Egypt, but the Assyrian shall be his king because they refused to return. When God's people attempt to go their own way and they kind of have in their mind what they think is right and wrong and they go off their own way and turn their back on God, it's not over at that point for the true child of God. Because God loves us too much to leave us going astray on our own. 
He loves us and He's going to correct us because He loves us. We see their refusal, but the Lord won't allow that refusal to end. He's going to intervene. But we also see a reaping in verses 6 and 7. It says, And the sword shall abide on his cities and shall consume his branches and devour them because of their own counsels. May we not follow our own counsels, but the Lord's. And my people are bent to backsliding from me, though they called them to the Most High, and none at all would exalt Him. We see a reaping what they have sown here. Because the Lord knows how to get the attention of those who are turning from Him, He allows us to reap what we have sown. He could bypass us from some of it, and we'd be surprised how much God bypasses us from, but He allows us to go through our consequences to draw us back to Him. He loves us too much to see us going in in the wrong direction. Israel chose Assyria, and God gave them over to Assyria for correction. Thank God for His correction, because God's correction is His love for us. He wouldn't correct us if He didn't love us. He doesn't correct those who are not His children. But for those who are His, He offers loving correction. As Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he was writing about the deeds that a member of the church had done and, and it, let me just go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 3. He says, For I verily, as absent in the body, but present in spirit, have judged already, as though I were present, concerning him that hath done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together and in my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is calling the church for correction of someone that is going astray here. Not for their destruction, but for their deliverance. God's aim in His Correction is never to hurt His people, but always to restore His people. Always to bring them back into His will. And He he chastens us and corrects us because He loves us. You know, parents who understand how to love their children, they correct their children. Uh, A Christian family that loves their kids, the paddle is not missing from the residence. Because God has called us and taught us by His example, loving correction in the life. We all need it. And God has been that example for us. I believe if if we all took a vote here... um, uh, does the Lord correct His children? I believe everyone would say yes. Uh, if, if I said, does the Lord correct His children because He loves His children? Everyone would say yes. We find that truth in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. There's no doubt about it. I'm thankful that I've experienced the correction of the Lord. That lets me know that I'm His. That lets me know that He loves me. 
And, and so how shall we not follow as a child to our father who corrects us? He set the pattern in place for us to do so. He's not only set the pattern for correction, he's also strengthened our resolve to be able to do so. Let me turn over to Proverbs and I'm going to read you something from the, from the, um, 23rd proverb. And starting in verse 15, it says, my son, no, let me go back to 13, withhold, no, let me go back to 12, apply thine heart unto instruction and thine ears to the words of knowledge, withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die, thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. You know, my parents told me when they gave me a whipping when I was a kid, they said, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And I didn't believe it. I didn't believe them at the time. And I didn't believe that was accurate. I believe I got the biggest hurting out of it. I believe them now, though. I don't think... I don't think that correction is something we ought to go around boasting about or putting on Facebook how harshly we corrected our kid. It, it does hurt to do that. You really don't want to do that in some ways. But then again, you want to obey God and, 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 and love for our child is going to have us to correct our child. And he strengthens our resolve to do so because he said, if you correct your kid, he shall not die. In other words, this is not going to hurt your child. It's going to help your child to do this. Loving correction. The Lord loves us, so he corrects us. And we have a pattern to do the same thing. He loves by correcting, but he also loves by compassion. If you look with me at verses 8 and 9, it says, How shall I give thee up, Ephraim? How shall I deliver thee, Israel? How shall I make thee as Adma? How shall I set thee as Zeboim? Mine heart is turned within me, my repentings are kindled together. You know, they, they used to try to say back in the 17 and 1800s that God had no feelings, that God didn't feel. And, and as you study God's word, you understand that that is wrong. God does feel. And God experiences a sorrow, if you will. Um, the warm and tender compassion of God, we, we should be able to gather this in verse 8. As we consider the people of God that have gone off their own way and God's great love is going out to them, He says, how shall I give thee up, Ephraim? In other words, He can't do it. You know, God. the Bible talks about God giving one over but when God gives one over, that doesn't mean that God has given up on that one. God never gives up on His children. He loves by 
compassion. He gives his people over to their choices sometimes, but he never gives up on his children. He will abandon his children in a way so that they might acknowledge their backslidden condition. Anything God ever does to us or for us or with us, it is not to hurt us. It is always for our good. And he knows exactly what is best to do. He is a perfect parent. And we see this example with Israel. God's purpose is never to destroy, but to discipline and to deliver. This is why God didn't allow Hosea to just wash his hands of Gomer. God wouldn't, he, he could not just, just throw off Gomer and, and go on about his business. Hosea couldn't do that. He couldn't do that because of who his God is. And because of his God who lives within him, because of God's compassion and because of God's plan, Hosea couldn't do that. Hosea unconditionally loved Gomer and he took her back. Because after all of this time of God's people being far away from him, he loves them and he's drawing them back. He is, he has an overwhelming love for his people. Because of God, there's always hope. Because of God, there is always hope. God's grace prevails over law. God's love prevails over hate and his compassion prevails over anger. The children of Israel are punished, but yet they are also pitied. You have God's mercy and you have God's justice. God has mercy upon His people. He loves His people, but He must go about it in a right way with His people. He must be just, as in considering, as in considering those who uh, a whole lost and dying world without God. God looked in mercy and pity. And he wanted to save, but he had, to, there had to be justice for him to do so. So he carried that justice out on his own precious son in order to be able to save us. Thank God for his compassion and that he shows his compassion in such a just way. It's all he can do. God can only be right in what he does. And he, he doesn't, he never, he never he, I do this with the teens. I stutter till I get to the word sometimes. He, he never compromises. He always does things just as he should to be right. He loves by compassion. Uh, Adma and Zeboim, they were actually destroyed with Sodom. It was given an example of them concerning the fact that there must be justice when there is mercy. Thank God that that the Lord had so much mercy upon us as He looked upon us that He took out the punishment on His own Son so that we can be saved. We could just go on and on talking about God's love by way of compassion. But how about we close with God's love by commitment? In verses 10 through 12, it says, They shall walk after the Lord. He shall roar like a, like a lion. 
When he shall roar, then the children shall tremble from the west. They shall tremble as a bird out of Egypt and as a dove out of the land of Assyria. And I will place them in their houses, saith the Lord. Ephraim compasseth me about with lies and the house of Israel with deceit. But Judah yet ruleth with God and is faithful with the saints. A lot of these chapters have started out with gloom and doom and ended with gloom and doom. But we get to chapter 11 here and we see the sunshine rising. We see what is going to happen to the children of Israel. Why has God let them go through such punishment? Why has God let them just stay astray from Him? The whole time God was working on His people and we find out now that they are going to repent. They are going to turn back to God. God sets a good pattern for how to lead people, how to love people, and how to deal with people. God knows what He's doing. And He was drawing His people back the whole time through their circumstances. Praise the Lord, Israel shall repent. They shall be restored. His, God's love has he had, God has feelings and He loves and His love is firm, but His love is very fair. God was committed to Israel relentlessly until they responded, until they were broken in their lost way and their wrong way. That's love. That's love that God would not leave them alone until He gave them every opportunity to turn back to Him. God loves. He loves by His calling. He loves by caring. He loves by correcting. He loves by His compassion. And He loves by His commitment. He never gave up on them. Notice that He was distant in their rebellion. But when they repented, it was instant. And it was a work that God was doing on them the whole time. Love always wins. What is God thinking of and what is He doing as He looks down upon His people? He is going to love. He is going to love. He is going to love until love triumphs in the child of His. Praise God that, that He loves us that much that He won't leave us alone, that He has a deep, ongoing, non-stop plan to keep or to draw His children back into His will. Well, praise God for, for how this is starting to end with the children of Israel. And, I, and we are going to leave it to you all to do some good singing. Uh, I reckon it looks like Brother Nolan's ready to come up and sing. Uh, teenagers, we will go 